Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. In today's program, my guest is Epi Ludwig, a founder and CEO of Crowdsourcing Week. In 2008, he created one of New York's hottest boutique virtual ad agencies built on a 100% crowdsourcing model. Epi is one of the pioneers in the crowdsourcing ad space. His global experience throughout his career have taken him across the US, Asia and Europe with skills in advertising and media with high profile clients and power brands. Welcome Epi. Thanks for having me, Kai. Great. Uh, let's start uh, to try to find the defini- definition on crowdsourcing and what crowdsourcing is about. Can you give the listener an uh, introduction to this field? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a term uh, which is uh, highly misunderstood. Um, a lot of time when I've been talking about crowdsourcing, uh, people think about the funding, the crowdfunding part of it. Uh, but um, understanding the process and what crowdsourcing can do is important because it's the um, it's about um, a process of tapping um, into individuals or groups of people uh, who are paid or unpaid uh, and who are linked together with a common interest uh, to bring forth a powerful increase results to their um, aggregated actions or, or activities. So that process is what really crowdsourcing is. And today, of course, with the uh, means of the uh, technology, the advancement of technologies, that type of process is, is, is funneled in many ways. So pretty much like tapping into people's passions, uh, talents and skills. Uh, and today you have um, hundreds of thousands of uh, type of the uh, uh, crowdsourcing platforms, they connect the dots in this ecosystem. So that's the, uh, uh, the, the true definition of what crowdsourcing is. So uh, crowdsourcing can involve all sectors and levels of the society. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, whatever you want, you have it in, in people and crowds are all, all about the people. And sometimes like crowds doesn't have to be in hundreds of thousands, right? Uh, however, um, the opportunity of now connecting a hundred thousand people or, or a million people, it's, it's a huge. And so uh, now that we're uh, all of us working uh, from home, I mean, I've been working from home for a good uh, 10 plus years, but now that almost everybody's working from home, this is a huge opportunity to connect people to work on the common ground. Mm-hmm. So connection and digitalization, networking, many different sort of uh, tools that you need to go into this field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, digitalization uh, uh, in the beginning when we have the advancement uh, of the internet, um, it was a lot about the information, right? And uh, that internet of information you still have a lot of people who are stuck in that mindset. So they are very, uh, um, the way how they, they use the internet, they use in a very passive way. Um, now, because of now we are, we are forced 
to use to use internet more than just for uh, on a passive way to watch things. Now we're starting to get this uh, in this world of a social productivity, which gives us an opportunity to learn and engage and produce something out of that time that we spent on the internet. So we're just in the beginning uh, of what we're going to see uh, a, a huge um, uh, acceleration. I mean, we're, we're seeing this acceleration, but we have still not seen yet uh, this acceleration, uh, what, we're, what we've been talking with CrowdSource for many years already. If you talk about the levels of influence and, and do you see that crowdsourcing can threat the structure of organizations in business and uh, also in, in governments? Um, definitely. I, I, we've, been, we've been saying this from day one that you know, uh, crowdsourcing is no longer a, a choice uh, for companies. It, it's a must. And the reason for that is because uh, the way how the industrial revolution was built, okay, it was based on, uh, you know, uh, educating people to do a specific task, right? Hmm. And those people, they, they, they picked an education to go to do, do this specific task, to find a job, to do this particular job, right? And so... Yeah. If he hated or she hated or didn't did or liked or don't, uh, there was another. There was a complete another question. But the answer here is that the uh, today we have an opportunity to open up this uh, huge door of opportunity for them to start to see where they fit and how they can really be part of this uh, a bigger um, uh, opportunity that the companies and the industries can offer to them. So when we hire today is very different than how we hired people um, 10 years ago uh, or even five years ago. So I think this is a huge opportunity for people to be channeled on a way that they are going to work their work with the passion, which that was a missing link, I would say, uh, during the industrial age. So crowdsourcing empower and activating people? Exactly, you're, you're you're activating their 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 passions and talents and their skills, and by doing that, they're able to really work uh, with a, a passion. And I think uh, that was what the missing link was um, back in in the old days, where people went to work without having a passion in front. So that purpose was not was not designed. It was not clear for them. And you can't have a purpose without the passion. Have you seen any changes of, of uh, organizations that have been using crowdsourcing as a empowerment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing like the growth that's happening in this space in, in a big way. It's a double digit growth. Uh, and the reason why is because now the companies, they get it. They understand that, you know, Everything, everything, everything that they wanted in terms of innovation, everything they ever wanted to, to accelerate or to, um, to come up with a new product line is in the hands or in the minds of the uh, customer or not the customer. And so by enabling them and activating them or, or connecting with those, with those um, uh, outside stakeholders is what this opportunity is. And so I think 
uh, now companies starting to create uh, another layer of this kind of platform a layer uh, that pretty much like uh, it wasn't existent uh, before now to see that is as a must and how they can really connect uh, in this platform how they can connect the other stakeholders uh, and I think a lot of these companies now they're starting to really model around what some other companies have been doing for many years like an example of with Lego right the toy I've been talking about this all the time um, it's a great it's a great story how Lego has been innovating with his Lego ideas uh, this crowdsourcing platform that they have developed over 10 years ago and today it's uh, it's been a great model for a lot of companies who have been following the same footsteps what Lego has been doing for a good 10 years. Can you give the insight of Lego a little bit more and uh, what's happened? Yeah, so Lego Ideas basically it's it's a model. It's a it's a model that pretty much is a combination of the uh, of the um, open innovation, um, some uh, product validation, and uh, some of the also marketing too. Uh, and so the way how they do is the uh, uh, you can go on Lego Ideas. Anyone can go on Lego Ideas and can um, come up with the prototype uh, of a model of a toy. Uh, so if you think like there's a really interesting story, you can bring that story and you can prototype that story in a toy, in a toy, uh, 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 in a way that with a toy. And with this, uh, you can bring it to a Lego ideas where basically once you, once you bring this, um, a prototype in a Lego ideas, you have a certain amount of time to make sure that you have a, a tens of thousands of uh, reviews. Uh, over that, and once you have those reviews, uh, then a Lego Ideas uh, a team, uh, the innovation team, brings it into the lab, and they discuss it about the validation of the product. And uh, once they decide that uh, this is the right uh, product uh, based on the, all these criteria they have, uh, then they make uh, whoever that created that prototype, they make them as a partner. So then it becomes a, a product that can be sold in all their in all their stores or e-commerce and uh, the, whoever created the prototype gets a 1%, I believe, uh, of the, of the, uh, of the net, uh, net sales. So the opportunity here that I'm talking about here is that the, you can engage um, outside uh, stakeholders um, in this process of innovation uh, for a new product uh, and for, uh, being able to really also market your product as well. Think about just marketing alone, the marketing value that comes with this, you know, uh, prototype after prototype uh, on the Lego ideas is huge. So it works in many ways. Uh, it's a great model. Uh, and then the crowdfunding model that they have behind is like basically um, as you go to those reviews, uh, as you go to reviews when someone is reviewing the product, this prototype, uh, they ask you a question, is this a, a, a is the, uh, would you pay this uh, price for this uh, product, right? Yeah. And so by you uh, uh, selecting uh, what, what amount would you pay for this product, it gives an opportunity also for Lego to understand that uh, the price point of what people are willing to pay for this product. So there's it's sort of a open up the door for for consumers uh, not only uh, business to business model this uh, open up for the consumers role in in the development of the product yeah absolutely I, I think i think 
when I look at all of this thing, like, and, and um, when you look at the opportunities that people have today versus the opportunity that were like 10 years ago, it's like, it's like a night and day. Uh, today, I, I really don't see myself that I can even complain for one minute or one second that I don't have anything to do. I mean, there's so much things to do today. There's so little time. The only thing you need to know the value of your time, how you really bring this time forward into this environment where you can really connect your your passion. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people who, uh, who have the passion, but they have not really find their way um, being um, channeled in the right right direction. You must have uh, passing by a lot of good ideas under the years. And, uh, but where do you find the leaders in the world on crowdsourcing? Can you give us three examples of successful crowdsourcing? Well, I mean, so, so crowdsourcing is it's a, big, it's a big term. Um, so when you're talking about, when you talk about specific mean of a crowdsourcing, then it's a completely different story. Uh, I can give an example, so for example, with some of our partners. So here's the HeroX model, right? It's a crowdsourced uh, platform uh, for innovation. So basically, you do not have to have uh, massive prizes uh, to really have an innovation uh, with a HeroX. Uh, so basically, their mindset is basically about anybody is an innovator and everybody can uh, contribute towards the innovation of any products uh, that the companies are willing to put out there or the briefs they're put, they, were, they want to put out there, right? And this comes across uh, all kinds of sectors from the technology to energy to space, I mean, you name it. Uh, and so that's, this is one great example of what here acts. So it's pretty much like a social network of innovation, right? Um, then you have, again, another partner, I mean, all of our crowdsourcing companies are, are partner ours because we've been leading this space. We've been a global voice for a good seven years and we've been just pushing further in terms of like what crowdsourcing can, can do for um, many companies. Uh, so this another another example with uh, one of our partners is about the, uh, how uh, they are, uh, how this company is pretty much like is making a very accurate um, speech recognition by training an AI through crowdsourcing model, right? Uh, so it's, of course, is much more complex um, than what I just explained to you about the uh, uh, crowdsourcing with the HeroX, but this is also another great model. And so when you think about this for a moment, how do you think you can have a smart AI? Well, certainly you're not gonna have a smart AI by having a technology and technology training each other. You need a human input. So when you have a human input like Define Crowd, in this case, with the speech recognition, they're really training the AI to be able to respond in a very smart way. So that's where the, that's where the human on the loop comes in and this is where the automation mm -hmm. uh, comes in once they, once, they, once they connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is another great example of, the, uh, of uh, uh, crowdsourcing enabling AI on a speech recognition specifically speech recognition right yeah so, well yeah i understand uh, but uh, it's different types of, of uh, methodology to to be used and i understand that if a company would like to use crowdsourcing as a methodology they also 
they can promote that development uh, and also empower people in the company. But it's also that you need knowledge from outside. Uh, and you have companies who offer services with crowdsourcing methodology. So where do companies go to learn more about crowdsourcing as a methodology? Well, I mean, for us, like we have, we've been writing probably over 1,000 plus blogs uh, for the good seven years. Uh, you know, yes. you can find yeah. as many resources in our crowdsourcingweek.com uh, where pretty much we have a lots of information between the blogs and between the videos that we have from previously from uh, physical conferences that we've done over um, 30 plus conferences in 25 countries. But then we also have these virtual events that we've been doing. Uh, so there's a lots of information. All you can find in crowdsourcingweek.com. Uh, I think that would be probably the most uh, number one resource, not because of I started Crowdsource Week, but I, uh, you know, when you look at, there's one organization that have been able to pull this together. We've been able to do that mm. for many, many years. And yeah. so we do this with a passion. I uh, see. Well, uh, if you, you have been traveling around and have this um, Crowdsourcing Week in different places of the world and, and, is it any place around the planet who are working more methodology with crowdsourcing or, or sort of a nation that is in front of others? Do you see any inspiring leadership around the world on crowdsourcing as a method? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it, there, are, there are different geographies for different things uh, uh, and sometimes in a, in a very different context, right? Yes. Um, for example, um, you know, when you look at like what a government, uh, one government can do, for example, like you have a government of uh, Estonia who's been doing very well with the e-residency, uh, they created a marketplace. So marketplace also fit under crowdsourcing, right? So they created this marketplace uh, for pretty much like the uh, digital uh, nomads, uh, which is pretty much a... Uh, a group on a rise, uh, especially now also, but there's no traveling, but as soon as the traveling begins, you're going to see a huge spike in these digital nomads because people now, they know they don't have to be working in one specific place uh, and live in the same place, right? So they can work remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you have also like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a community uh, that we discovered uh probably like five years ago it was, uh, and uh, we discovered them in when we were in Copenhagen, we did an event there. And then uh, Evalena, which um, she approached me, she said, hey, you know, uh, we'd like to do this and let me show what we've been doing. So when I look at like closely what they've been doing in terms of like on a local level, right? And how they're engaging, you know, people um, and doing all different things like, you know, and then We've done a number of events there in in, in Volarim in the Arctic Circle. Um, yes, the, let, let us talk a little bit about that crowdsourcing can transform communities and cities. And exactly. so let us visit the rural area in the Arctic uh, and listen to how they have been using crowdsourcing as a tool for growth and sustainability. So I would like to say welcome to Eva-Lena Skalstad in Volarim in Swedish Arctic. 
Crowdsourcing as a method have been the tool since the start of Volarim Economic Association in 1999. Can you give us, listener, an insights from activities and businesses that has empowered in citizens in Volarim, Eva-Lena? Sure, um, and thank you, Kai and Epi. Uh, yeah, Volarim is um, situated in the north part of Sweden, uh, at the Arctic at the Arctic Circle, and uh, Volerim as a community mobilizing and empower people in this village, Volerim. Uh, we are around 800 people, and up until today we have around 60 businesses, 40 non-profit organizations, including seven community businesses that are created to strengthen the local economy in the village and all revenue is reinvest into back into the village. Seems to you have a long tradition and, and uh, can you give us some key factors of success in the village? Yeah, I would say uh, that the key factors is uh, a combination of a passion for, for the village, a passion to be able to stay in, the, in a place you love, uh, a stubborn will to survive in this arctic area combined with uh, there is a deep understanding of equality in the village that no one is more or less that we need each other to to develop and the village and stay here they, it's also a strong self-leadership and a strong entrepreneurial spirit among the grassroots the ordinary people because it's the ordinary people in the village that fix this Oh, see. Uh, can you give us some example on, on uh, activities and projects you are running in, in Volrim? Yeah, um, it has been going on in many years, but the first businesses together was created in 1999. Uh, and that was the Volrim Economic Association that's starting to run a hardware store, post office, meeting place. And then we have Viva vision in Volrim area that have two hotels and one camping, Hotel Volrim and Two Rivers Hotel. Uh, and there it is around 180 co-owners. And then you have Volrim Charter School. It's a small school that the village started because the municipality closed down the school in the village. So it's around 40 students in the age uh, between 12 and 15. And then you have Lapland Volerim welcomes you. Um, that is a tourist-based company uh, that became one of Northern Europe's most interesting destinations. And in the spring of 2014, it was named uh, as one of the world's best practical examples of sustainable tourism. And it was placed in the top three uh, at the Tourist for Tomorrow uh, competition that the WTTTC uh, made 2014. And then we have the Volrim Farm and Matantverket Volrim that worked to save the endangered uh, Arctic breed, Fjellko and make uh, amazing cheeses in the village that is rewarded with Swedish gold and bronze in World Cheese Award. Oh, I see. 
So Fjellko is a, a sort of mountain cow. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a small cow and there is uh, more tigers in the world than Fjellko. So it's important. I see. Okay. But uh, I understand your collaboration within the citizens in Volrim. That is, is uh, the crucial issue for, for you. But you also have collaboration outside Volrim. Yes, uh, the last decade we have worked a lot in different networks, both Swedish, Nordic and global networks. Uh, and we have uh, worked a lot with Bertola Bergstrand, for example, with the Learning Society Network and Social Capital Network in San Francisco with the founder Kevin Jones. And of course, uh, uh, the last years with uh, FP and crowdsourcing week in the Nordics and Europe with participants from all over the world. So if I would like to read or know more about uh, Volrim, where do I find you? You find us uh, at uh, laplandvolrim.se and you can also do digital visits here. And you're of course welcome when the times are right in real in this beautiful area. Oh, thank you very much, Evalena. Thank you. Why Volrim for me? Well, you know, um, when I was talking to Evalena uh, at the um, when she approached me, and I understood that there's a, there's some really deep um, um, involvement of the uh, engagement of the uh, each uh, member of the village in doing uh, different things as part of this collective. Uh, that's what really got me my attention. And then, of course, you know, uh, all other things like, you know, they start to really like, you know, the excitement about the uh, uh, being out there in the Arctic and, and knowing about all these uh, great things that they they have uh, between Aurora Lights and the uh, reindeers and all that, which, which we made a part of experience when we did uh, the first Arctic uh, and then we've, been, we've done a second one and we did three times or so three years so that was really good uh, great experience and and everybody just loved it the whole entire journey uh so it was a good um a learning journey uh it was a way for people to engage and to really see that know-how that is in that uh, small community and so yeah that was really amazing mm. so uh this is a, r a rural area which uh have been working on on crowdsourcing and uh, if you go into cities and and big mega cities do you see any development of crowdsourcing in a mega city as london or paris or new york yeah i mean uh, you know the um, the the officials the, this big city officials they like to call it um they like to call it um and the IoT involvement, the smart city, all that. But this is all this is all part of the human input. You know, you you ain't going to have a smart city with the stupid people. Let's put it this way. Hmm. Uh, and so you need to have a smart citizens. You need to really engage your citizens. You order to have a smart city. Uh, and so um, under, the mayors who understand this process, understanding the the what is it that that, that they can have the the citizens engaged through the process are the mayors who really are are winning uh, and of course you know it's not easy um, uh, running a, a big city and engaging citizens in many different ways 
Um, but what's happening now, for example, let's put, let's put an example, for example, here and, and why we're not doing it. Okay, so this, we need to ask this question. Why we're not really engaging the citizens okay, today? Let's say like a small businesses. Small businesses are being heard big way. Okay, and especially uh, the brick and mortar businesses. All right. If you look at, for example, most of these big cities, the mayors are not listening to their to the needs of, of their citizens. All right. Hmm. And so, so the issue is that you know the uh, they're all talking about the smart cities or whatever, blah blah. But in the end of the day, you know, we must really listen to the concerns of the citizens, and we need to engage them in the process. So are the mayors uh, crowd leaders? Or? I don't think I don't think we see we're seeing today with many with many mayors. I don't see I don't think we're seeing these mayors are true crowd leaders. Why? This is a this why? Is a why do you think? Well, I think it's I think there's a shift in politics. You know, those mayors that we have today, they're more they're more concerned about their political career than anything else. So if you look at uh, Paris and London, you have been in both cities. Well, London, it's the same thing. You have a mayor who is just completely just complaining about, but has no solutions whatsoever. You tell me right now, is there, is there any solution that came from Mayor Khan, okay, that is helping small businesses? You know what, what, what small businesses represent in a small in 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 a big cities is represent quite a big chunk of, a, of 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 the economy right so i'm not talking about politics all i'm talking about this is not the way how the leaders of today uh, should lead cities you know without having the citizen engaged in the process all right we have all the tools we have all the tools any tools that you want we have it but they're not engaging but if you look at uh, the the options for 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 the many small businesses and uh, and others who are interested to to contribute and empower themselves in, in today's society uh, you may need some crowdsourcing platforms to learn from where do they go well i mean you have all kind of um, um, solution I, I, Again, I said, you have so many technologies uh, that uh, you can apply to engage your citizens. Um, you know, you can you can use the uh, a software as a service. You can use uh, a, a, a platforms for the crowds coming from a different parts of the world. I mean, you have all the solutions here. Solution is the people and the technology. We have the technology. We have the people, but we're not we're not putting those things together. And that's an issue. Now, I, I'm not going to talk about politics because the, uh, the politics is what got us in here, what, I, what got us in this, in this environment today. But all I'm saying is that the, you know, we do not have crowd leaders uh, in, in major cities or in, 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 in as many as we want uh, in, in, a, in a bigger corporation. Corporations are more getting because the companies, the companies they run, uh, they, they are accountable. They're accountable to their own shareholders, investors, uh, and so they need to bring accountability. These mayors, the way they how they run the cities, they're not accountable. They're just running their their, their cities the way, uh, copy and pasting stuff. Oh, they they should be elected uh, every fourth year or third year or. Well, 
first first thing first they should be they should be a business owner first every mayor i believe that if you're going to be a mayor of a city you should prove yourself that you ran a a, a business with minimum of 15 people and a successful business before you run for mayor we talked about crowdsourcing platforms and to to build your competence in this field but do you have any any recommendation of books or sort of they can read more about um, how to work with crowdsourcing as a tool oh absolutely i mean we do have a bunch of books uh, we do have a, a one good centralized resource that we created this for many years for people we call it crowdsourcing week uh, book club uh, where you can go to it it's uh, crowdsourcingweek.com slash crowdsourcing uh, uh, week uh, book club so you can find out all the information you have uh, books from not just crowdsourcing itself we have we have a bunch of those crowdsourcing books but it goes also beyond that it's about the leadership it's about the uh, uh, machine learning uh, i think one one book um, that i like people to understand better and what really um, it's especially at this environment now what's happening understanding yeah. between like the um, uh, why these things are, are happening and how crowdsourcing is such important especially during this time is uh, one book that i just read um, uh, a few months back it's called ai superpowers it's uh, uh, it's um, it's uh, written by kai fuli uh, he was the uh, a, uh, a managing director for Google in China, and he wrote this book called China, uh, Silicon Valley, and the New World Order. And so when you read this book, you start to understand uh, also what's happening, but also you have to understand the power of crowdsourcing. Uh, so that's one great book uh, that I highly recommend reading. It's very relevant to what's happening right now today. Yeah, I say. That's a great uh, step to to learn more about crowdsourcing as a model. and and. Uh, if you will give you the listener a view of the future of crowdsourcing. Yeah, well, I mean, the future of crowdsourcing is, um, put in really a simple context, it's going to be uh, much more uh, dynamic. Um, just think about for a moment, like what, what uh, the cloud computing did to the servers, where you pretty much like now you have an on-demand servers 24-7, um, same thing, what you're going to do with crowdsourcing, you're going to have an on-demand people, uh, pretty much like you can, you can become, today you're a company of 10 people and tomorrow you can just hire 500 people or 1,000 people on a project, just like that. This is what the future of crowdsourcing is. Now, beyond that, you're also going to see with the advancement of virtual reality, that's going to change a lot of things because we are a humans that we like to have this... Um, environment around us and so this work environment is changing um, the way between like how we work today with this um, laptop okay and uh, in, a, in, in a way that is today's uh, like in, in tomorrow's uh, terms like in 10 years from now or five years from now it's going to be very primitive because the way how we're going to work is we're going to work through the virtual reality we're going to have we're going to have this new gadgets uh, and we're not going to type anymore. You know, it's a voice, it's a voice enabled type of actions. And so the whole notion of the uh, working uh, remotely is going to change completely. 
and crowdsourcing has to do a lot with that. Uh, you can imagine like uh, a, a large company can go and tap hundreds of thousands of people just like that on demand uh, to run their, their specific projects. Uh, and that's all based on defined crowds. So you're gonna have much more, many more platforms uh, coming up. They're sophisticated. I know a bunch of few people that they're doing some great stuff where they have their own defined crowds. Uh, and that is the model that they're going for, uh, helping organizations scale on demand. With this uh, insight in the future of crowdsourcing, I will thank you, Epi, for your dialogue today and for discussion. And I um, hope that uh, we will maybe meet at some of the crowdsourcing events uh, coming up. Uh, in the coming time, even if we, we have a COVID uh, pandemic around us. Yeah, well, thanks, Kai. First of all, I really want to thank you, and I really appreciate you. Um, first, as a human being, you're just an amazing human being. Uh, I'm really, I have a privilege to really work with you, and we really enjoyed uh, uh, each other, uh, a company, and we've been in many different countries together. So really um, appreciate the work that you've been doing. Uh, you you are a true inspiration for many people. Like, you know, uh, you never give up. You always, um, you know, raise the bar. And here's with this podcast, as I mentioned to you, you do an excellent work. And I really congratulate you for doing this work. So appreciate that. Thank you very much, Shippy. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.